can Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. They took it away. Now, Ed, our, we just did a segment that was so great that Jared sitting in the studio, instead of listening to us, retweeted a tweet that says, seriously, a monkey could bartend. This is the Press Box. The last two days on our opening segments, there's two segments we have for the best of. Now, you're probably going to have to play them on a loop because there's not a lot of best of on the show. We got to pay attention during these times. With Grady and Bischoff. Coming up next, we find out if monkeys can bartend. On ESPN Las Vegas. We're back. We're back, baby. Good to be back with you guys. Is it? You're leaving yeah, halfway into yes. the show. When, yeah. when, when you're um, <laughs> when you're in a middle seat from from Newark for five hours and twenty minutes, oh, it's good to be back at Newark. <laughs> yes, it's good to be back with uh, anybody at this point. Middle seat? How'd middle you seat. how'd you get screwed into a middle seat? Uh, economy. Everything sold out. They picked the seat for you, and you know where you're going when they oh, pick the seat wait, for you, man. Wait, so. Y- I assume Adam got the window seat, or I was not on his flight. Oh, okay. I was not on his I flight. I kind of really would have enjoyed yeah. the entire Review Journal staff having <laughs> in a the row sa- in the same row. Literally, like <laughs> we're adults in the same row. Yeah, no middle seat. What a disaster! Doesn't sound fun. <laughs> no, and I, I felt bad real quick for the guy next to me. He's one of those first time flyers, and before we pull out, he he like hits me in the arm. He goes, "Please." Is that oil on the wing? Is that oil on the wing? I said, that's eh, kind of just dirt. <laughs> what, did you think it was going to catch on fire? Yes, yes. <laughs> He's gripping the whole flight. I felt really bad. He kept intermittently putting up the uh, window shade and looking out, and it was nothing but pitch black. I'm like, dude, we're at 37,000 right now. So if we see anything out there, we're in trouble. <laughs> if suddenly you see at the top of a mountain with a goat yes, on it. exactly. We're in trouble. Anyway. The first bite. How was Terrytown? Oh, this is the first bite. Terrytown was great. It was I'd, great? I'd live in Terrytown. You would? Tomorrow I'd move there. Wait, did you stay in Terrytown? Oh, no. We were okay. there two hours. Uh, three hours. <laughs> three hours. And that was enough to deem yes. it. Great. Be- I would live there. Beautiful scenery. Nice little main street. I mean, as I told you the other day, Terrytown, I mean, automatic that when we get in the Uber, it says take a ride on main street. You knew that. The yeah, main street in Terrytown. I mean, there's that's an automatic, and it was probably the only street. <laughs> so uh, then we were in wooded areas, headed towards the uh, practice facility, and uh, yeah, it's so it's so um, like casual there. When we're walking in, like the Knicks were just walking in the center entrance, like we were. They were just going to practice. I was like, these guys don't have their private entrance. It was kind of very strange. Um, so yeah, cool facility where all the teams are way out. In the boonies, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd move there tomorrow. I could do clean feed from Terrytown. Terrytown. <laughs> I was disappointed uh, that Gerard Gallant drives in. I I just want Gerard Gallant taking like the subway into yeah. Madison Square Garden the before and in. after games. Yeah. That'd be so great. I you was a see. little disappointed they didn't have their own driver. For just the coach? Coaches, because they all drive together. Yeah, it might make a little sense. I mean, it's I mean, New York it, Rangers. How much money do you have? It's still owned by James Dolan. Great point. Great point. <laughs> so, yeah, I was a little, I thought, you know, you'd pull up with the Escalade and everyone would hop in and, you'd be, you know, you could do your coaching or your preparation on the way. It's, a, yeah, you know. It's Gerard Gallant. He doesn't seem like the guy to have a driver. <laughs> like, somebody else is driving me. He, he probably had a driver and he went, well, why don't we give her to him and just roll that money into my contract? <laughs> we way better that way. Yeah. All right. 
You went to New York. You got to cover the Raiders lose a game. It wasn't. Talked to you last week. It wasn't a blowout loss. They didn't go on the road and lose by four touchdowns like they have to Atlanta and to the Jets in the past couple of years. But it was still a loss. And given the John Gruden resignation, the Henry Ruggs DUI crash and subsequent release, the Damon Arnett release, do you feel like we're about to witness another Raiders collapse this season? I feel like, and this is kind of a cop-out, I won't know until Sunday night, because I do believe, and I talked to you about this the other day, uh, in between the train whistles, and I don't even know if you can hear me as I'm screaming Tyler, um, I really do believe, no matter what they said, that that effect, the rugs thing affected them during the week. When, Like I said, when, when the game kicks off, I don't think it affects them because they're so into the game, and I don't think they're sitting there thinking, you know, on that play, Henry would have been open. But I think on Wednesday, Thursday, it affected them. And it affects your preparation, and it affects you on Sunday. Now, they come out this week against the Chiefs and do the same thing, then I think you're right, and we're about to witness another collapse. What if they come out and play well but lose because oh, it's good. Patrick Mahomes has a good game for once in his life? And, like, I, I mean, like they can lose on Sunday and still... And still play well. Yeah, I've yeah. played a decent game. So, I, it's curious because their next three games are Kansas City, Cincinnati at home, and then at Dallas. Now... Kansas City hasn't looked good this season, but they're still a good team. Patrick Mahomes at some point is going to throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns in a game. Cincinnati's lost the last two since you declared them the best team in the AFC. (laughs) But it's true. It's true. They've still been good. Like, it's still a decent team. This isn't some terrible team that's coming in. And then they go to Dallas on Thanksgiving. And Dallas, even though they just lost to Teddy Bridgewater, Dallas has still been really, really good this season. It's a tough three-game stretch coming up that, I, listen, this could define their season ultimately, what happens over these next three games. If they go 0-3 and, and all of a sudden they're 5-6, and six, well, season's it's it's, over. It's over making that playoffs. point. I do think even if they just go 1-2, and two, they're still going to be in decent shape because then yeah, they're because 6 the division. And five. Yeah, and the division has been so close, compressed into yeah. what it is. Like, if they can win one of the next three... I think they've got a shot down the stretch, but I am curious to see how they play in those next three. Do they squeak out a win against Cincinnati and just get hammered by Kansas City and Dallas? Then you say, well, they're still six and five, but they haven't looked good in five yeah. years. I'm weirdly so, and I was going to you know, see what Jared has to say. This. I'm more fascinated Sunday because I know, like you said, at some point Kansas City is breaking out. And if the Raiders... You know, if it's bad news for the Raiders and it's Sunday night, then they won't win. I mean, you know, he could score 40-something. The Raiders could score 28 or 30, like you said, play well and still lose the game. That's not going to be good for the Raiders. And maybe I'm wrong. I just, I keep waiting for it. And I think everyone's waiting for it. I keep waiting for him to go completely crazy like he's done in the past. I don't think it's happening. I, I, I'm shocked that it hasn't happened already. I think the way they managed to build this team is so, like, we need Frank Clark and the Honey Badger to play out of their minds. And it's like, that should not be, that should not have to happen for this team to function. That needs to happen for this team to function. They're winning games against the Giants 17, what, 14? Yeah, Mahomes is going to throw for 420 on Sunday. See, that's what I, I mean. Keep, that, that's that, what I that keep feels thinking. fair. That's what I keep thinking. But only, only in the like first quarter. Yeah. I mean, where's the game, you know, with. Kelsey for three touchdowns. Uh, I, I'm and I know they need a third receiver. They're kind of bracketing Tyree Kill at this point and kind of trying to take him away. So they're doing some things and they've noticed some things with that offense. 
But I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't know if Jared, you know, he might be right, but I'm telling you, I just, I'm more fascinated with Kansas City. I think the Raiders are going to play well in terms of better than they did in New York. It's been a week and a half now. We know what happened with Rugs. They've released Arnett. I don't think any of those guys, I think the Rugs thing probably had a, well, I don't think I know, had a lot more effect than Damon Arnett. Yeah. Damon Arnett wasn't any good, and you look at the video, <laughs> and it's like, okay, so you have to just get rid of him. I mean, that was... It, the rug thing, I think, had far more effect on them mentally. And based on the stories that we have now heard about Damon Arnett, where he is being sued for a hit-and-run accident, mm-hmm. sued by a valet worker for spitting on the valet worker, and the Ian Rappaport story that he crashed four rental cars in a month. I have to imagine his teammates were fully aware of most of this stuff. Oh, I can't imagine. Some were. By the time Damon Arnett was gone, it might have been more of a, oh, finally. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> At least I, I can pull out of my spot without <laughs> having to back around a wrecked Mercedes that with a, uh Enterprise Rent-A-Car sticker on the side I mean, of it. Did he go to different rent-a-car companies? Okay, I, we do have this an important is, question yes, this for is, you, Ed. How many, how many cars have you, you crashed in your life? This isn't very fair when I come back for one day. I... I just, uh, I'm just curious. That was my fault? Sure. Do you have them categorized by my no. fault and not no. my fault? <laughs> Crash is such a hard word. <laughs> have you ever had a stretch where you were in four no, car no, accidents no, no. in a month? No, come on. Come on. No. Okay. I mean, no. you didn't give me a number, I mean, so... They, no, I want to know. <laughs> I want to know if he kept kept uh, changing rent-a-car companies because then they wouldn't know, right? Wait, I mean, have, okay. Have they you, wouldn't know. Have, have you been know. in an accident in a rent-a-car? No. Okay. All right. I was going to ask for your expertise on what no. happens when you get in an accident no. when you crash a rental no. car. When, when he walked in, though, he had to go. Yeah, and let me get that insurance. <laughs> that yeah, that Damon Arnett. Yeah. Oh yeah. What's, well, the, think, what's the most coverage you guys offer on insurance for this? <laughs> I will check that box. Because that is, it's one of the most insane things I've heard that he crashed four rental cars in a month. That, first off, why is he getting rental cars in Las Vegas? This was yeah, last why, year. He's he, got a lot, all this money. Why doesn't he here? have his own car? Yeah, what's happening? Why is he getting so many rental cars? Two, like you guys said. Did he, did he go to the same rental car company or was he going to multiple rental car companies? Like what happened there? And three, how the hell did he crash four of them? How, how do you get in a crash a week for a month? That seems insane. And yet nobody until Rappaport reported heard it, which again yeah. is one of the most amazing things about the entire story. It's if it's one car, you're like, okay, something happened four in a month. No one's saying anything about that. <laughs> That doesn't get out because you know, like you said, I don't know if every player in the room knew it, but some did. So, oh, oh they, they they knew they knew what was happening with him. Damon crashed another rental <laughs> car. Like, yeah, I Damon, it's it. Wednesday. What happened? It's a Wednesday. <laughs> I mean, I just I, think that his his release. I totally agree with you. They're like, eh. I, I, I mean, yeah. They, 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 Henry Ruggs, I think, affected them. Damon Arnett, they forgot. I'm telling you. Unless it was like really good friends on the team, I'm sure he had some really good friends on the team. Most of those guys forgot that the next day. Yeah, because between Henry Ruggs' role on the field, like if we're looking at how the Raiders perform, his role on the field significantly more important than Damon Arnett's because Absolutely. Arnett was benched. And he was benched. He was, I mean, was hurt most recently. 
But then also, just given the responses from the people in huh. the organization, almost everybody felt bad for Henry Ruggs. Mm-hmm. I mean, they obviously were willing to say, yeah, it was a mistake. But like, every, you could tell Derek Carr and Rich Versace, like they felt bad for Henry Ruggs. When Mike Mayock talked about Damon Arnett, it was more about we failed as an organization than anything to do right. with feeling bad for right. Damon Arnett. That right. was, hey, we that's on us. We messed this up. It wasn't so much, wow, we feel bad about the situation. Right. It was, we screwed this up. Whereas with Henry Ruggs, you could tell there was legit. Oh, there was an emotion there. How, how do I deal with somebody I consider a friend now making in this kind such of, an incredible yeah. bad decision yeah. that took somebody's life? Exactly. Right? Yeah. And, you know, it's the second time they've had to have that type of talk where I would consider John Gruden a friend and God, he sucked. And oh, I considered right. Henry Ruggs a friend. And wow. Yeah. That's one of the worst things that's ever happened. So, yeah, it's when you look at the Raiders, I don't know what to do with the rest of the season. I think if I think Sunday's I mean, this is a simple statement. Sunday's absolutely huge after what yeah. they just did in New York and who they're playing. And it, I'm telling you, it's going to be asked the press conferences this week and they're going to say, Last two years mean nothing, but if you don't think that's in their head, it has to be. It has to be in their head because they're going to be asked about it a lot that look what happened the last two years, look what happened in New York, is this going to happen again? It has to be in their head. They've been two straight years, now make it three. They've been in a spot to make the playoffs. They've been in position to, hey, you finish the season, not even strong, just finish the season 500, one game over 500. Nine and seven, you got a shot at a wild card. And you got a legitimate chance here, and... Two straight years they've collapsed, and now we're sitting here looking at it saying, eh, feels yeah. like it might be coming again. Yeah. Feels like it might happen again. Coming up next, oh, the Golden Knights won again. They're on fire. Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Grainy's grades? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. Scored from Tanev at 1929. Puck back in front. The Knights have tied it again. Wow. To Donov on the doorstep. And it's a 2-2 game. 15 seconds to go in the second. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. The Golden Knights are above 500. They knocked off the Seattle Kraken last night. So they are now 7-6-0 and on the season. Uh, the entire goal during this injury-riddled stretch has kind of been to be 500. And they've, they're on a good streak here. They started 1-4, and four, and so they've been on a good streak since then where maybe they could finish a little better sure. than 500 before they start getting everybody back. But before we get into any of the actual game, Jack Eichel got introduced at T-Mobile Arena, cranked the siren to start the game. You you got a grade for his siren crank? I watched it, and it's definitely incomplete. Incomplete? incomplete. Here's the thing, and I'm going to ask Dave Shane this. I don't know who in the world at the Golden Knights felt it a good idea for a guy who's about to have neck surgery to go up there and crank a siren, which you know usually takes a lot of the upper body. Can you imagine if something happened to this poor kid cranking the siren? Listen, they had him out playing, doing one of their street hockey clinics. Yeah, he's with just kids. walking around. They didn't have skates. He got on. hit by pucks well, or balls, whatever they're using I mean, by little kids. Little balls by little kids. That's not that's not as dangerous as the crank he siren. He could have slipped neck. on one of those balls. Oh, 
He could have gotten slashed in the face by a kid who didn't know I what was happening. I want to see this guy post-surgery cranking it three months later, of course, if he is well, or something wrong because be he should be ice. on the ice. <laughs> what if he was up there with his skates on saying, I want to do over before the game starts and he's in his over. uniform? Um, I did, did he? Wow, you're you're giving he, him a break. Has he looked um, completely Ro- happy? Robotic? Yes, yes, that's the best word. Like really like kind of stiff, kind of like – Looking forward all the time, and Maybe because his neck, his is, neck broken. is broken. Well, then, then, then that's true. I I, for, I forgot about he that. He looks part. very stiff. Yes, <laughs> yes, I forgot about that part. He that, does have a bad neck. He does like during the siren crank look very robotic. Like he's wearing a suit, which stupid Not NHL helpful. rules. You got to wear a suit to be a healthy scratch in the press box or an unhealthy scratch in the press box. But it's then you just role. you just sort of get like let's go Vegas, and then. One of the slower siren cranks we've ever yeah. seen. I mean, I thought it was a gritty performance. Gritty. Oh, uh, yeah. He really. He did lift his arm and pump his arm a little. And uh, he he gritted the teeth like he wanted to go fast. But I think he started and said, wait a minute. My neck is about to be operated on. So I'm just going to slow down here. And he, he didn't do it for very long, right? About 10 cranks. And oh, he yeah. Kind of let Not it go. And then he backed off. Uh, I'm giving it an F. Oh. <laughs> it's a shot. F. Listen, if he's got neck problems and that's why he didn't go all out, then get him back up there again at some point in the future. Yes. And let's see it better than that. But I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt like you did and giving him some incomplete grade. He gets. I got to give me an incomplete. I got to. By the way, did the siren get smaller? Like, watch how much Jack Eichel has to bend over to crank the siren. That is something you would notice. I don't. I did not notice that. Like, it's very difficult for him to crank the siren because he's got to bend over to waist level. And I'm trying, like, everybody else, it's always been at chest level. If that was the siren for Arroyo, it would have flown into the stands and they would have had some kind of lawsuit on their hands. If that's a smaller siren, the way Arroyo cranked that thing would have just flown off into the stands. All right. Golden Knights last night against Seattle. They only allowed seven. High danger chances. This is a team that has allowed the most high danger chances in the NHL. They are giving up. Before last night, I think it was over 13 high danger chances per 60 minutes. Only gave up seven last night. And here's my question. The Golden Knights are missing basically all of their forwards with the exception of Marshall Show and Carlson. Or excuse me, Smith. Carlson is out. They have apparently looked for offense from guys like Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo and asked them to do more on the offensive end. And that's one of the contributing factors as to why the Golden Knights are giving up more high danger chances than anybody in the NHL. Do you think it would be smarter for Pete DeBoer, at least until his team returns to full health, to instead of asking Theodore and Petrangelo to play as offensive defensemen, to basically try to win games one nothing? to play as safe and conservative as possible to say, hey, we're not giving up anything good. We're not going to get anything good, but we're not giving up anything good either and try to win one nothing. It's a great question, and given how well Robin Leonard has played, maybe that's what you do because Petrangelo's playing really well. I didn't see it. I was flying, but apparently uh, you and I could have scored the uh, Theodore goal because it was very, very soft. I heard that's all I saw on Twitter. Like the, They got two soft goals. Whatever, you scored. I mean, it's good for you. You scored, but... Um, that's a great point, and we'll ask Dave Shane about it. Maybe that's what they need to do. If Leonard continues to play this well, and you think you've got a great goalie on your hands, and every, you know everyone said, hey, he's been their MVP so far, then maybe you just do sit back. Well, actually, if Leonard's going to play this well, I think that makes you more likely to go for it. Because then you know, hey, even if we give up a good chance, Leonard's going to make the save. So I think that makes you more likely to go for it. On Seattle's goaltending there, 
Uh, last night was what it looked like if a goaltender played without a glove. He had he gave up two goals that he he just missed with his glove. Like like imagine a first baseman just it's a good without throw a glove. and it just he and just, it just drops. It. Yeah, or just, just no, flies did, by him. Didn't didn't go in like the glove and fall out. Him. It's just straight past him. Like it was zero chance. Two of those goals should have gone. They should have just been caught. Like it was two of the easiest saves I think any goalie in the NHL could have made. And I mean the Golden Knights got fortunate last night. They played much better defensively, but they absolutely got those were not goals that have been going in at all this season for the Golden Knights. Yeah, but they're scoring on the power play. Oh. Two, How about two that? out of the last three games, yeah. they've got a power, power play, play goal. Goals. Everything is fixed. Steve Spot, what a great coach. Yeah. The Golden Knights well, you are You and good I were exa- wanting an extension for him about two Give weeks him ago. An Give him an extension. That's what he deserves there. All right. Last thing here on the Golden Knights. Mark Stone back on the ice at practice. Not ready to play. Uh, Nolan Patrick also skated with the team yesterday. Pete DeBoer did not have a timetable, surprisingly, <laughs> for Nolan Patrick's return. But on Mark Stone... I assume we're seeing him in the near future, right? I mean, he's back on the ice at practice. He wasn't even in a non-contact jersey. No, he was in a white jersey. What wasn't the quote afterwards? Um, not close yet to playing. But again, that could be like, hey, the wild tomorrow night. Mark Stone's on the first line. I mean, <laughs> just these, these things are just so obscure when they start talking about injuries. But you're right. He's not only on the ice. He he came over from apparently came over from the other rink and and joined them and was taking shots at Leonard. I mean. White jersey, I assume everyone on that ice knew don't go near him because that's why he was on the other side of the ice. We don't want anyone near him. And maybe Stone said, I'll just wear this jersey for the day. Um, they need him back, but I thought I thought the quote afterwards, it's a good sign, but he's not close to playing. So maybe it's not this homestand. Maybe they go on the road again and you see him. Yeah, but the homestand. The home it's a four-game homestand, right? It's so, five, I think it's five more, oh, isn't it? I oh. thought it was six total. Long so, time. Yeah, like they're, they're home for a while. They don't go on the road on for, it. for a while here. Right. So I, I feel like it's a decent chance he plays before they leave for the road again. I mean, that's a long time. And if he's already back on the ice, then even if DeBoer's saying, hey, it's not that not that uh, close. Five be. more? Five more. Oh, yeah. that's a long homestand. Then so, they have to head to St. Louis. So I I feel like he's if he's already on the ice, I feel like that should be, hey, he should be back soon. Like that's that's what that feels like. That's is, what they need. Especially when they're putting him on the ice in front of the media because you know they're well, afraid that's of the, the media other thing. seeing anything. Usually the black uh <laughs> curtains go up and which is just so silly. It's like, okay, these are the guys who were hurt. Pacioretty and Carlson have broken bones. It's probably not them. So, oh, who could be on the ice? It's either Mark Stone or Nolan Patrick. So yesterday he's like, ah, just put him out there. We don't have time to put the curtains up. All right. Coming up next, Dave Shane joins the show. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. Helps it around to the right corner. Sent to the line, but not out of the zone. Giordano shoots tip on goal. Stop on Leonard. That got tipped. That changed direction. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Joining us now from the Review Journal is David Jane. Good morning, David. How are Hello, you? David. Good morning. I'm good. Could I'm, you? Uh, could you? Right have, and, uh, ready to go, you know? <laughs> could you have uh, played goalie for Seattle last night and given up fewer goals? Ooh, 
Ooh, well, I'll tell you what. I might have like at least thrown my body in front of that Petrangelo one a little better than uh than Dreger did. I guess apparently, apparently, like Riley Smith says, he didn't tip that that you know third period goal. Uh, so if that's true, and he kind of whiffed on the Theodore goal as well, like yeah, that was that was pretty cringy. I gotta say, are they not supposed to wear a glove? Well, yeah, you know, I, I, it's funny. I always remember, like, I love Mike McKenna's comments about, like, the left-right catching thing and all of that. I don't know. Dreger just, he looked like he hadn't played baseball or anything like that. <laughs> Let's put it that way. All right. Uh, when do you think Mark Stone comes back? Ooh, you know, that's, that's a hard question because, you know, at one point when we were watching him yesterday, uh, you know, that first time he was out there with everybody else, like he kind of looked gingerly, gingerly, and then all of a sudden he did like one crossover and then just took off, and it was kind of like, whoa, okay, he looks pretty close. Um, but then, you know, Pete DeBoer seemed to really kind of temper any enthusiasm with his return, you know, that he's, he's still a ways away and all that. So, I, you know, I, I would guess this is what, five games left on the homestand. It runs another, you know, week and a half-ish or so. Uh, I, I would guess, and this is just me, that optimistically that they're hoping at some point on the, on the homestand that he could return. I just don't know when. How is he when he comes back? In terms of production and all yeah. that? I mean, I, I don't see why he wouldn't pick up right where he, he left off, especially if he's playing with Chandler Stevenson. Like, I know you asked about Mark Stone, but I, it, we've written about this. I know, like, you know, obviously Jesse with the Athletic has and Ben, you know, with the Review Journal. Like, I mean, Chandler Stevenson has been unreal. It, Robin Leonard's probably the easy MVP for this team, but if you're going to make an argument for anybody else, like I think Chandler Stevenson might might have the best argument. And if you get him back the way he's going with a healthy Mark Stone, you know it, it would only help. That's for sure. Okay, let me get way too far ahead of ourselves, given that half these guys are injured. But when <laughs> this team is fully healthy, and maybe some big name with a big salary is gone from this team, but would the Golden Knights be better off playing Jack Eichel with Stone and Pacioretty and sort of forming, hey, this is one of the best five lines in hockey? Or would they be better off splitting up their talent more to try to have, you know, three lines that are that have good players on them that can all, hey, we can drive play even if it's with Chandler Stevenson or Nick Waugh, whoever it ends up being? Yeah, so I'm of the opinion that you split them up for the short term. Uh, if we're going to, like, look at this long term and and – you know, where is it all going to fit and all of that? Like, I think, you know, obviously there's going to have to be some major changes in the summer just in terms of the salary cap and what the roster looks like. And so I think the lines are going to look different and, and all of that. If we're, you know, looking down the road, if we're talking just this year, I think as long as you can keep everything intact, I'm always a believer in doing that. You know, if Chandler Stevenson is playing well with Patcheretti and Stone, you know, like don't break them up. Leave them, leave them together and let them roll and then keep, you know, the Carlson line, that misfit line together. And if you can get Jack Eichel eased back into a lineup and get matchups against the third line and he's healthy, and then you're still getting power play time with him. You know, if you had to like double shift him somewhere, you could do something like that. Like there's a whole lot of different ways to get him ice time without necessarily having to shoehorn him into the first line. And, and kind of break up what's working. So, you know, for me, I, I say keep them, you know, keep 
the top six that you have now together and, and almost give Eichel his own line and let him be the driver of offense. And I don't, I don't think it matters short term and, you know, who his wingers could be. I think he could work with just about anybody and still, you know, produce on a third line. Yeah, you just answered my question. Um, looking far ahead again, let's say he'd go to a third line. Are there players more apt that he would be knowing about you know about him, what you've watched of him, better at with him? Or do you think he's just so good it won't matter, like you said? Yeah, to be quite honest, I'm not sure it would matter. Uh, I think anytime you know you have somebody like him, you know, you'd probably want somebody who could finish. I think it would be interesting just to like put him with the downhog if you're going to talk about like short-term stuff. Um, just because, you know, he's kind of a finisher and, you know, Dodonov's career has, has been with, you know, good centers uh, in Florida, in Russia, wherever it might be. Um, so, you know, that that's like, that's a name, that's a combination that would just jump out. Like if I'm, you know, putting things together, who might be on a third line, you know, who's left over, um, you know, you might want somebody that could go get the puck, you know, for a couple guys like that, you know, maybe a Colasar works there. Um, a guy like Tom Wilson seems to work with the Capitals and, you know, Ovechkin and, you know, Kuznetsov or Backstrom, however they're doing it as kind of that, that physical guy, that puck retriever, that, that, you know, hard four checker. So they might need somebody like that and they would have some different options, but, you know, I, again, I think it just comes down to, he's so good. You know, you could probably put him out there with you and me, Ed, and, and he'd still, you know, have a couple points a night. You're a finisher. You went to Wisconsin. You're a finisher. <laughs> yep. Put me on the wing, as long as I can play the right wing. <laughs> Terrible on my off wing. <laughs> on the current makeup of the roster, uh, Pete DeBart a quote last night about the group of guys they have now kind of proving that they're better than just a 500 team that's staying afloat. Do you believe that, or have they just kind of beaten up on some of the bad teams in the NHL? Yeah, you know, so that's something that I need to kind of explore a little bit more this morning, and I feel like that <laughs> might end up being a, a story that I write in, in. Uh, for folks listening, check it out through Review Journal. Uh, <laughs> quick plug, um, but <laughs> you know, yeah, it's it's a very interesting, you know, sort of you know, I guess topic of conversation that that he brought up, and you know, I thought there was an interesting quote, and I think Justin from the the Sun pointed this out as well. You know, just you know that that yeah, maybe the expectations for a good organization like this, and that can find ways to you know, put together depth and get guys in the lineup that can do a job. I mean, I've been very impressed with Jonas Rongbert. He's been somebody that like I saw in camp and he was hurt for a whole year and he didn't like really know what kind of player he is. Like, is he supposed to be an offensive guy or is he more of a bottom six guy? And you kind of watch him and it's very subtle, you know, but you start to appreciate, okay, if you're the coaching staff, you're not going to like wear him out, but you can put him over the boards here, you know, for the next couple weeks. And, and feel okay about it. You can get some shifts out of him and, and get some chances, and, and you know he's going to be defensively aware. And, you know, I'll, I'll even throw, like, Jake LeCision in there. He's, he's a guy that, like, I mean, I flat out said, I'll, I'll just say, like, I flat out didn't think he was an NHL player. I said it all along. Like, I just never saw it with him. I don't see the shot and whatever. And, you know, I still think there's a lot of room to improve, but they're getting quality minutes out of him right now. He's not a liability, and you know, I, thought, I think sort of that's what Pete DeBoer was, you know, alluding to. And, and, you know, the other side of that is the top end guys who are still there have picked up the slack and you need good goaltending. They've gotten it from Robin Leonard, you know, Alex Petrangelo, whatever the numbers 
and the analytics say, I don't know what they say now, but, you know, even before, like, he's all over the ice creating chances, you know, leading the NHL in takeaways. Like, I mean, he's, he's, he's elevated his game, and, and that's what they've needed from, from a lot of these guys here recently. Which member of the VGK media would have a better chance to fall on his NHL debut lap? <laughs> I don't know if I can answer oh, that. Oh, you, you know gotta answer funny? that. So you know what's what funny? You, you have to answer that. <laughs> well, so okay, so so I was thinking about this. I'm going to go in a totally different direction. Like you, you guys always have the hockey guys on here, the guests, and everybody. Everybody has a shtick, and I think I'm like the vanilla. Won't <laughs> won't be like controversial. Won't stir anything up. Like won't talk any smack about like how I think Justin would probably be the one to fall on his face. You know, like I, I would never say that. You just did. But you did. <laughs> there we go. That's oh, all we need. Oh, did I? Oh, no, you know, guys, so. we should have all played that like, oh, he's too nice of a guy. Like, he won't even say Justin Emerson from the sun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just pick on him because I, uh, I appreciate Justin so much. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, what, Ken, it's like, if we're really going to talk about yeah. this, doesn't Ken have, like, a whole thing where he basically – like waddles and, and can't skate, right? No, I think okay. a lot of us can actually skate. Like Ben's from Minnesota. No, he's oh, Ben played, can skate. Justin ben can skate. played. Jesse plays. You know, like I think we could all, whatever. Maybe it's Ken, right? Well, here's <laughs> the thing with Ken. He made a bet with somebody in year one, just like a random fan, that the Golden Knights wouldn't get to 85 points, and if they did, he would go skate because he doesn't know how to skate. He did that in year one, and then was like, "Well, I'll do it again in year two. But in between year one and year two, he went and took skating lessons. So then he knew how, like, he got a lot better. He wasn't good, but he could, you know, stand up. He could stand up and skate around the ice. Okay. Yeah. Good so for Ken. He might still be taking skating lessons and might be better than everybody. <laughs> good for Ken. He might be on five years of skating yeah. lessons now. So there you go. Well, I think the best thing about that Paul Cotter hot laugh last night was the way he came out and he like looked at himself up at the scoreboard, like <laughs> checking himself, you know, like I'm soaking this all in. And then he kind of knocked the pucks over. I thought that was great. You got to check yourself out. He is Dave Shane from the Review Journal. He did not say Justin Emerson would eat it while taking a solo lap. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. You got it, guys. Have a great one. Yeah. Oh, man. He threw him out there. That's right. I'm on board. Maybe you heard that question. Yeah. Stone. Oh, get out of here. What a terrible question. You (laughs) ruined it for the rest of us. Come on. All right. Coming up next, are we opening a present, Jared? I believe so. We're just trying to clean our game up. We, We embrace the responsibility that comes with being the role models that we are. This game being played at the highest level, we understand that people that play at a lower level watch us and, and, and often mimic the things that we do and how we conduct ourselves. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. It's always horrifying when you watch some eight-year-olds play flag football and one of them stares down the opposing sideline. Just bad things happen every time. And I mean, it could be that he saw a butterfly and he got <laughs> distracted, but you know, did taunting. The kid, did the kid get flagged for taunt? That was my next question. Did he get flagged for taunting and bumped the bumped the uh, official he was leaving the field? Well, the official bumped him <laughs> all the way around. The referee stuck his What if the referee sticks the heck out of it and the eight-year-old just goes flying? Just Adam Candy out there. Just <laughs> yes. hip checking. You, out of here. <laughs> Don't run into me. All right, what are we doing here? We have a package from our greatest Australian listener, Stephen. <laughs> That is correct, and I have uh, very specific uh, instructions that I am supposed to give it to. I, there are several items in the box okay. for several different people, but I have got one item each for both of you. It's the same item, and uh, you can then ask, I think, any questions you want. Let me double. Let me go get it. Phil, 
if this is a Sydney FC jersey or shirt, we are. The box. I don't know if the box is. I don't know if the box is big enough for those. For a jersey, okay. they don't have yeah. to be that big. It is not. Uh, it is not. Vegemite. Vegemite. I don't know what this is. What is Vegemite? It's a B vitamins for, for, <laughs> for vitality. vitality. Proudly squeezy. Australian made. It, I, what it's is, a squeezy. What is Vegemite? <laughs> okay. Is this like a sandwich condiment? Oh, Garrett, I know you watched old TV because you were an actor. Wasn't Vegemite and I Love Lucy? Um, uh, remember she did Vegemite. You're I an actor. No, you're I, an actor. I, I, know I don't think you did. I don't. I think Vita 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 is the right, thing okay, that you're right. referring to. But I no, don't know what right. this is. Is it syrup? <laughs> it looks like syrup. I believe uh, it's the Australian version of Marmite. I don't know what that is. Okay, so this is. If I have my facts right, and I'm sure Stephen will correct me, during World War II, the British and their commonwealths, their colonies, had a little bit of an issue producing food. Okay. But they kept their breweries open. And there are certain byproducts that get created during the process of making beer. So they figured out, well, we could turn this into a sandwich spread because it's super nutritious. It's basically got it's like it's like liquid cereal. It's got all the vitamins you need, and I'm pretty sure that this is the Australian version of that. So we should go home today, get out a few slices of bread, and have a Vegemite sandwich, or just put it on a piece of toast. Okay. I don't know if you're supposed to put butter. You, Stephen will probably have better better uh, <laughs> instructions on how to do this. So. Well, thank you, Stephen. I Google Vegemite. The first thing under people also ask, is Vegemite banned in the United States? It is not, according to the story from well, 2006. Thank goodness he wasn't sending through the mail <laughs> things that are banned in this country. Second one, is Vegemite good or bad for you? Uh, about the sixth one down here, why is Vegemite so bad? <laughs> got six? Got six questions? So... We have received Vegemite from our Australian listener. Oh, my God, they have a Twitter account. From our Australian listener. Um, I guess I guess I have to eat this today, right? I think we have to put it on toast. Yeah, yeah. and try it. Yeah. it. Is it better to do it on toast, or should I? I know you told me to ask Stephen, or to do it on a sandwich. I'm I'll, pretty I'll sure use it's it as like, like a, a breakfast type okay. spread. I was going to say, okay, I'll use it as like a mayonnaise like a replacement if that works. But yeah. I don't think it's... I, I think okay. it's like, all right, here, hold on. I think I got one, too. So here, okay. let's just... Oh gosh, this You're, is gonna you, be such you, a bad. You gotta idea. open the entire thing. Yeah, that's you, it's sealed. So you are gonna be the I first just, one here. You're gonna be the first. So you take a little dip of that. What do you think? I mean, it. Yeah. Sweet. No. Why is Vegemite so bad, Jared? I don't know. Try it. I am. I'm opening mine. <laughs> it's it's very it's briny. All right, I'm gonna try it. It's that is a weird flow. Oh my God, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> this is great radio. If that is horrifying. Today. That is not good. That is nasty. <laughs> I kind of like it. I mean, when Steven, you first what did opened you it up, it, us? when you first opened it up, it gave it. It looked like maybe fudge. Yeah, it got like a Nutella look to it. And <laughs> it's gonna. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> we still have a minute left. What, what are the odds? We give this to Gramala. Oh no! And he throws this he thing on a set. Can you imagine, Mike? We've get, we're giving you three bottles oh. of Vegemite. You, 
you missed it yesterday. We talked to Mike Grimala. Oh, God. oh, but the wings. You know, he flew to yes. Buffalo, yeah. New York to try a buffalo chicken wing for the first time in his life. Tell me, though, he didn't go like we thought to Buffalo Wild Wings. He did wings. go to Buffalo Wild Wings in Buffalo, New York to try his first ever chicken wing. He realizes there's authentic wings in Buffalo with, like, longtime family businesses. Yep. He, uh, Adam Candy asked him specifically about a place, and he said, yeah, I walked past that a couple of times. Uh, but not only did he go to Buffalo Wild Wings, he got the kids' meal at Buffalo Wild Wings, which was two wings. Um, he did not even finish the first wing he bit into. He so he took, didn't like them? No, not at all. He took two bites of it, and he complained that it was, like, too saucy. And he also complained about how chewy it was, and he didn't get to the bone on the wing. Yeah. Did he fly home then? A, a day later, I guess. Wow. A lunatic. <laughs>